Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. There are three things that last, three things that are enduring. Faith, but it's not the greatest thing. Hope, but it's not the greatest thing. And love, that is the greatest thing. 1 John 4.16 says, We know and rely upon the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We are reliant upon the love of God. In him, perfect love and perfect holiness meet. God defines love. Some people say, oh, that's not very loving, or I wouldn't do that, that's not very loving. We don't get to define what love is. We get to discover what love is. God is love, and he defines love. He is love. We love according to 1 John 4.19, because he first loved us. God's love for us awakens in us the ability to truly love him. We are reliant upon the love of God. We are utterly reliant upon the love of God. What is that love like? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is God's definition of love. This is what God is like. Sometimes a holy discontent moves us in a direction to where we could be in God. And I think for me in my life and in Jackie's life, probably in the late 90s through to the early 2000s, there was something of a holy discontent. Let me tell you what that holy discontent was. It, It hit three areas of life for us, I think. There was a discontent that disturbed me, that seemed to say that people were mature Christians just because they'd been Christians a long time. And they knew some Bible verses. And so therefore, they knew some Bible verses and they'd been Christians a long time, they must be mature Christians. The thing was, they were divisive. They were angry. They were bitter. They were miserable. But they weren't mature, but everybody acted as if they were because, well, they spoke with the Bible a little bit of authority and they've been Christians a while. That's not maturity. It bothered me. It also bothered me and bothered Jackie that the the holy discontent of people viewing church as an institution that you attend rather than a family that you belong to. What has the church done for me? It's like saying, what has my family done for me? I attended church today. I attended family today. We're a family, not an institution. The other discontent that got to me was this. 
I would preach about evangelism and mission and people would nod their heads and say, yes, it's so important. And then I'd say, let's go and do some evangelism and mission and people would say, I'm busy that night. I haven't even told you what night yet. Evangelism ought to be done and somebody should be doing it, but I can't do it. It just began to bother me. And it set me on a journey. Jesus was asked by one of the teachers of the law, what's the, what's the big commandment? There's all these commandments in Scripture. What's the biggie? He said, the most important one is this. You can read this in Mark 12. Is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Did you notice two important things there? The Lord, our God. People talk about my Jesus. Well, I get that, but Jesus said, pray our Father. Because if you get Jesus, you get a family. And if you don't get a family, you've not really got Jesus. Let me say that again. If you have a problem with Jesus' family, it's like saying to somebody, I really like you, I just don't like your wife. That wouldn't go down well. Jesus says the church is the bride of Christ. Love the Lord your God. So our God, he is one. When we follow Jesus, our life becomes more integrated. When we follow idols, our life becomes more fractured. What do I mean? Well, an idol is the thing you bow down to. So it might be an opinion at work. It might be a value in your extended family. It might be a way you behave around certain friends. It might be a position you like to take on social media. And you bow down to that value. And it fractures your life because, well, I'm like this on Facebook, but I'm like this with my friends. And I'm like this at work. And I'm like this in church. And I'm bowing down to these different idols. And it gets exhausting because the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the Lord is not 20. And so when we follow Jesus, what he does is he brings the whole of life under that one lordship. And so we're the same person in our family as we are at work, as we are with our friends, as we are with our non-Christian friends and our Christian friends, as we are on Facebook, as we are when we're annoyed in traffic. We become integrated. We love because he first loved us. Jesus went on to say, oh, by the way, the second is, is very much like the first greatest commandment. Love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In the letter of 1 John 4.20, John puts it like this. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates his brother and sister is a liar. It's quite strong, isn't it? He says, whoever does not love his brother and sister who they see cannot love God who they don't see. These are strong words. But you see, sometimes we make God in our own image and we define what love is like. And God says, let me just break this down for you. If you say you love an invisible God and want nothing to do with his people, you're deceiving yourself. Love impacts our heart from God to God to his people to his mission. You say, well, I don't like that definition of love. But as I said, it's God who defines love, not us. 
So we get to live an integrated life. I remember um, in the early days of King's Church, sitting in St. David's, driving our house with a group of people, eating cake, drinking coffee. Jackie and I would read from the Bible and we'd discuss with those there, what would it look like to really follow Jesus if all we had was each other, the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit? What would that look like? And we came to some conclusions. We, We formed them into a phrase eventually, but the conclusions we came to were these. It would really look like you would love God, and the longer you followed him, the more you would love him. So that comes to a very simple question. If you can remember a time when you loved God more than you do now, it's time to come back to that love. This isn't condemning, this is life-giving, okay? Please hear the heart behind this, because I don't, I don't have enough time left in my life to go through the motions. It matters that we love God and we grow in love for him. It matters that we love his people when we feel like it and when we don't. When they upset us and when they delight us when they do the wrong thing and when they do the right thing, because we are family. That matters. And it matters that we take the gospel of Jesus to people who don't know him with our words and our deeds to help them to become disciples too. And all that we've tried to do at King's Church over these last 19 years is work out how to live that. Our ABCDE values, our structure of missional communities, missional household bases, all that stuff is simply in place. It's very, it's, it's alarmingly simple. All we're trying to help each other do is this. Love God and love him more the more we follow him. Love one another when it's easy and when it's difficult. Reach people for Jesus because that's our commission and make disciples. That's it. That's it. And that's not some institution that tries to impose that on someone. That's just trying to go back to what the Bible says. You see, what I'm saying is this. Love is not a feeling. or Love is not just a feeling. It involves living with others as God would want us to live. It's easy to say the word. It's easy to look for a feeling, but it's a lifestyle of love. Jesus is clear that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. He says that in John 14, 15. I've, I've, I've had people say to me, well, I'm not really into making disciples. I, I, I just want to hang out with people I already know and you know, enjoy some church services. Friends, this isn't a church-style preference. This is a love issue. If we love Jesus then we get to live as disciples who make disciples. It comes back to knowing that we're loved and letting that love shape our heart and life. So, knowing that we're loved. I want to remind you this morning that you are loved. I don't know what people have said to you. I don't know what life has said to you and I don't know what your circumstances have said to you. But I want to remind you what God says to you. You are completely known and absolutely loved. There is nothing you could do that could make God love you more. And there is nothing you could do that could make God love you less. You are secure in that love. The book of Romans puts it like this. The spirit we received 
brought about our adoption as sonship, of sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you think it is that could separate you from God's love? It can't. There is nothing in all of creation that can separate you from God's love. So if you're thinking this morning, I'm not really loved, let me let the truth set you free. You are. You are absolutely loved. God wants to fill us with his spirit so that we know that we're his children. We are secure in his love. And as that security begins to grow in us, that love overflows. So how do we invest in that? Some simple bullet points and I'll move on. If you want to invest in knowing that you're loved by God, some things. These aren't legal things to earn it. These are things that will help you remember it. Whether you do these or not, you are loved by God. But these will help you to remember it. And if you remember it, it'll do you good. Spend some time each day talking with him in prayer. Spend some time each day reading the Bible, asking God to speak to you through it, and then simply doing what it says. Invest in relationships with other followers of Jesus. This will be a challenge and encouragement to you. It will strengthen and comfort you. Commit to sharing your faith with those who don't know Jesus. It will help you to grow in your faith. Spend time each day worshipping God and thanking him for what he does. Because as we give thanks, our faith rises because we remember the goodness of God to us over the years. How else do we get to live as followers of Jesus? In the family of God. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit is the one who creates unity in the church. And we get to keep it and maintain it. Whenever we're trying to break it, we're going against what the Spirit's doing. We get to make every effort to maintain unity. Philippians 2, 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow. Love in the body of Christ is the next thing to loving God. I mean, loving God is first, but then loving one another. And we are not allowed the luxury to allow side issues to destroy that love, are we? It's not a trick question. We've all got different opinions. I don't know if you've noticed that. I think Everton are the greatest football team. Many of you are wrong and disagree. (laughs) It's not a big issue. It's not a big issue. If you were to go around this room, there would be different political opinions. We will have voted for different political parties. There will be different views on Brexit. 
people will have very strong different opinions. There will be different views on which is the greatest football team or rugby team. There will be different views on the pandemic and how it should be handled. We're allowed different opinions. But the greatest of these is love. The most important question we ask when debating and discussing those things with one another is, how can I maintain the unity of the Spirit even when I have a different opinion to someone else and they're not going to change their mind? We get to love one another. Because in the end, loving Jesus and loving his people is more important than who you voted for. It's more important than your view on Brexit. It's more important than your view of the pandemic. It's even more important, I think, yeah, it is, than which football team you support. Or even which rugby team. The most important thing is love. How do we maintain that? It's time to love one another, to consider one another, to support one another, to forgive one another, to bear with one another, to be kind to one another. We are the family of God and we get to treat people and speak to people and about people as God would if he were present with us physically in this world. That sometimes means we make sacrifices for others. I brought up two children. It's been a privilege. And I can remember when they were younger. You probably had a similar experience when your kids were little. You sit and you're going to watch a film together. And in your mind, you're thinking, The Godfather. Or you're thinking, Free Solo. Or you're thinking, The Italian Job. And they're thinking Pocahontas, Frozen 2, Toy Story. I don't mind Toy Story, actually. Which film do you want? Do you watch, rather? You watch Frozen 2. You watch Toy Story. You watch Pocahontas. Because the mature one looks out for and makes sacrifices for the younger one in any healthy family. We get to look out for one another. So how do we do this? Some practical pointers before I move on. Be difficult to offend. Be quick to forgive. Be an active member of a missional community, a missional household, when you feel like it and when you don't. When it's convenient and when it's not. When you're busy and when you're not busy. Because you're not attending a meeting, you're being part of a family. Practice hospitality. Welcome people into your home and bless them. Pray for us as leaders and for the leaders of your missional community. Final point. How else do we get to live as missionary disciples? By reaching out to others. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says in Matthew 28, Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get to live that way. 
Jesus is already at work in the lives of people who don't know him. He is. All across this area, Jesus is at work. And he invites us to join in so that we can be disciples who make disciples. Jesus said in John 6, 44, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to him. The Father, by the Spirit, is drawing people to Jesus now. Actively doing that. There's a great bit in the Bible, there's lots of great, the whole Bible's great. But Luke 10, 1-3 says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out in twos, ahead of him, to every town and place where he was about to go. Did you get that? He sent them to every town and place where he was about to go. He sent them to where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the field. Go, I'm sending you. This is an amazing beginning to this story. Jesus is about to go somewhere, and before he goes, he sends the 72. Jesus is about to move in Warrington. Jesus is about to move in Widnes and in St. Helens and in Runcorn. Jesus is about to move in Prescott and in Liverpool and in Manchester. Why? Because he's at work everywhere. And he sends us ahead of him to prepare the ground. He tells us to pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful. Did you know that the harvest is plentiful in Orford and Chapelford and Busey and Sankey and Birchwood? The harvest is plentiful. Oh, it's a hard place. Don't know if people want to know Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray that the Lord of the harvest sends workers into the harvest field. Then, as you're praying, be ready for this. Jesus will say, that's a great prayer. I think you're the answer to it. Go. We can't get away with, I'll pray for Chapelford, but I'll never talk to anybody about Jesus there. I'll pray for Orford, but I'll never proclaim the gospel. We get to go and make proclamation about Jesus. Nearly done. We're doing this because in the end, it says in Revelation chapter 7, that around the throne of God there will be people from every tribe, every nation, every language, standing before the throne of God. And they'll be shouting out loud, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. So let's live with that end in mind. That's where we're going. And we get to play a part in that. We get, I, I want to stand there. I want to stand there on that day. And there'll be people from Macedonia. And there'll be people from Madrid. And there'll be people from France and China and from Italy who say, do you know what? You said something and it helped me to get to the point where I now know Jesus. Don't you want some people stood next to you around the throne who said, do you know what? When you came to King's Table in Orford and you told me about Jesus, it changed my life and now I'm here. How do we do this? Remember that Jesus is going before you and you are sent. As you go to work, as you go to family time, as you go to be with your missional community and missional household, as you go to the shops, as you go to the match, as you go on holiday, as you go to the gym, as you go for a run, as you go to see friends, as you go to serve, as you go make disciples. 
And remember that we do this with others. We're a family on mission, so go with others. And don't be afraid to tell the story of what God has done for you. And remember to use words. There's a famous saying that says, preach the gospel, and whenever you need to use words, utter rubbish. I mean, it couldn't be further from the truth. You have to use words. It could be sign language, it could be Japanese, it could be Korean, it could be Spanish, it could be Italian. But you've got to use words because if you don't, all people will think is, you're a nice person. Now your actions need to match your words, but if all you're going to do is words, no one will be saved. And in the end, that's what I want, people to be saved. So I'm going to conclude and we're going to pray. We're beginning a series today called Valued. It was going to be called How and Why, but all I could think of was Alan Partridge every time I said it. How and why? So we moved it to Valued and clearly not many of you watched Alan Partridge. So there we go. Valued. We're going to look at some of our values at the church. Not to say, isn't this important because we think it's important. It's, isn't this how we could live together as God's people? And we're starting with our purpose as a church. Just to remind you this morning, our purpose as King's Church is to have a deep relationship with God. To love him and keep loving, loving him. And to share him with others. Those who know him and those who don't. And our motivation isn't guilt, it isn't fear, it isn't being driven, it isn't even faith or hope. It's love. So my question this morning, simple questions, I'm going to ask you to respond if you want prayer for these this morning. Will you allow the love of God to captivate and motivate your life? There have been people in our society, in our world, captured by fear. For all kinds of reasons. Fear of what people think. Fear of unemployment. Fear of health issues. Fear of relational breakdown. The Bible says, it's not hope that casts out fear. It's not even faith that casts out fear. The Bible says, perfect love. When you know that you are absolutely, absolutely, absolutely loved by God. Like completely, wholly, perfectly loved. Fully known. Fully loved. That will cast out fear. Perfect love. The Ephesian church in the book of Revelation, Jesus said to them, you're working hard, you're doing some great things, but you've just forgotten your first love. And you know, sometimes you need people just to make you aware. Do you know what? And there's been times in my life I remember, do you know what? I'm very busy. I'm very active. I'm, doing, I'm not doing anything that I can think of. Is, you know, I mean, clearly I sin because we all sin, but I'm not like in downright rebellion against God. But my heart's 
not where it should be. It's like the man who went to the doctors and he said, Doctor, I've got a terrible problem with breaking wind. Doing it all the time. Been doing it since I walked into your office. He said, The only good things about it are it's absolutely silent and it doesn't smell. The doctor said, The first two things we're going to deal with is this we're going to get your ears unblocked and your nose dealt with. (laughs) We're just not aware. Sometimes we just need a moment that says, oh, I'm aware again, I'm aware. That's how I used to love God and look where I am now and I want to get back to there and then go beyond it. Will you play your part in the family of God? Are you going to be a part of a missional community, a missional household? And face the fact that that's how we're working out to be the family of God together. This means serving and showing up. And being hard to upset and quick to forgive and not hiding and sharing food and studying God's word and praying and having fun and preaching the gospel together. And will you play your part in the mission of God? We all get this one chance to live as disciples who make disciples. It's an amazing privilege, but do you know what? The moment you step into eternity, it's over. You won't be able to share your faith with anyone else. That's it. Game over. We get these years. So let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's invest. Let's not let fear of what people will think or pride from stop, to stop us from sharing our love for Jesus with others. So would you stand with me? We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.